0: Amen. (laughs) Well, come here. (laughs) This is not punishing you. Well, (laughs) good morning, everyone. Uh, I hope. Oops. I hope this thing stays. (laughs) Good morning. I hope you understand my accent. If you uh, if you noticed how I walk, I walk like Egyptian. And I talk like Egyptian, so English is second language to me, but uh, I really believe the Lord blessed me with enough English just to communicate something from his heart this morning. It's so good to be back here in the U.S. It's so good to be back in Michigan. It's so good to be back in this time. I feel this is uh, such a privilege for me and for my wife that, you know, we land for such a time as this, and we be here in this time. Um, there's just so much in my heart. We're trusting that the Lord will, will, will guide and, and He will cut what He wants to cut and He will keep what He wants to keep among us. But it's just so good to be with you. Can you uh, just do a favor for me? These days, I'm just uh, so consumed by, by the whole theme of the kingdom. It's been a couple of years, not just these days. And uh, in Hebrews 12, you know, it mentions all these things about the unshakable kingdom. But before it talks about the unshakable kingdom, and I believe this is what we spoke about last year, it spoke about all the other shakable stuff that they have to shake so that the unshakable kingdom can be established among us. So we'll just share about a few things this morning. But as I look at the whole theme of the kingdom of God from the beginning, The structures of this kingdom is is all about the king, right? It's all about, it's not about, there is no kingdom without a king. It's about Jesus. It's all about him. So I want to just give him all the glory this morning. I just want to lift him up in the midst of us, that he is the name above all names. He's the one that our eyes should focus on this morning. So, Lord, we just lift you this morning one more time. We exalt you, and, and like it says in Hebrew, you are consuming fire. You're consuming fire, so you're jealous, God. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for creating this family among us. Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for bringing forth what you, you want to bring forth with the anointing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so from Genesis, I see that, that it's, All on the foundations of family. From the beginning, God spoke to Abraham and said, "From your family, I will bless all the nations of the earth. From your family, I will extend my kingdom all over the place." So we're we're practicing. We're practicing how to be a family. We're learning how to become. And of course, there is a lot of dysfunctional families, right? So we're practicing how to be a functional family, (laughs) a good family. No one got it right. In every family, there is conflict. In every family, there is jealousies. Well, even the family of Abraham. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, I get privileged to be working a lot with uh, some of the other children of Abraham (laughs) in the Middle East and in North Africa. And uh, I get privileged so much to see, you know, how God comes and heals the rejections of Ishmael and the descendants of Ishmael, how God comes and bypasses, you know, all the barriers and all the, 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 the conflicts and all the... The, the, the mess that is in the minds of people. And uh, if you know what I'm talking about, we're talking about a true mess of politics mixed with economies, mixed with wars, and this is the wars you see and you hear about. And, and, uh, uh, and it looks like such bad news. But what we experience on the ground is something different, that yes, it is bad news because there is death and there is conflict and there is... Complications, and we don't even understand a lot about those wars, what's happening with them exactly, and who is exactly against who, and where are the hidden agendas, and, and what's under the table, and, and it's complicated politically. But when it comes to God want to establish his kingdom, I can see this very clearly. It's not complicated. <laughs> He's shaking everything that is shakable. He's shaking religions that have taken the people for Hundreds of years captive. He's shaking political systems that controlled people. He's shaking he's all kinds of things. And uh, what comes to my mind all the time, just traveling in the Middle East, is Psalm 2. When it says, the nations came together to conspire against our God and his anointed one. You remember those verses? But you know after that it says, well, the one seated in heaven laughs. <laughs> He laughs about it. It's not a big deal for him. And that's the same for us here in the U.S. Just before we dive in, I, uh, I, uh, I'm not going to let you go. <laughs> Would you do this thing? Turn to someone that you haven't hugged this morning and just hug them. Can you do that? Can you do that? Yes, and I know you want to hug your wife. <laughs> you want to hug your husband? Just do it. couple of people. <laughs> <laughs> give you a hug habibi because the lord wants to create a family among us it's not it's not about religion friends it's not about them and us it's not about some people are here and some people out there. This is the kingdom is is uh, uh, is such a massive thing that is taking place in my heart and in my life and in my mind that that uh, I feel my 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 challenge is is to basically uh, God's work with me is to convert me first before converting other people. For years and years and years, for me it was. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I know the truth. You, you haven't got it, you know. But uh, if, if I want to summarize my life today, after all those years of serving the Lord, after witnessing what I witnessed, and I love those verses that the Lord gave me uh, uh, more than 20 years ago, before going to all those trips in the Middle East and so on. And uh, the verse is from Isaiah 43, and it says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord that I am God and right from the beginning the Lord spoke to my heart saying Henny you are my witness this is your job that I'm God I'm God this is my job (laughs) so don't mix the two together you know you are my witness and I'm God so that's that's all that is happening so if I summarize my life I would put it in this statement I am a hungry beggar that want to tell other hungry beggars (laughs) where to find food, where to find God, where to find the better life, where to find the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. So God is busy for the last 20 years plus, converting me from my religion to the kingdom. And I feel the more God converts me from my religious mindset, activities, um, forms, traditions, the more he delivers me from my religion, the more into his kingdom, the more others will be delivered from their religion into the kingdom. You see, there is so many good religions, but what we have is more than religion. What we have is much more than religion. What we have is really, in truth, in essence, is called the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And it's about the king and his family. The king and the families of the nations of the earth. The king and his bride. You are his bride. I know, man, we struggle with that. (laughs) But, you know, we have just to get over it. It's about a groom with his bride. It's about a king that he wants his church from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation to be presented before the throne. And this is the promise that God has given us in Revelations. From every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. This is why I can go to those nations. Not because I know theologically how to convince people. And how to convert people. No, I know nothing. I cannot change anyone. And I know this so well since I got married, you know? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> you agree with me? <laughs> you cannot change your spouse. You know that. But you can pray for them and you can love them, you know? And that will be the, the, you know, the best thing you can do so that they can change. And most of the time I realize, well, I'm the one that needed to change. So I don't want to take... Uh, 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 too much time with all those introductions, but I want to dive in and I, wanna, I want to have you enjoy watching one of the, of the stories that we witness there in the Middle East. And I think it's just going to help us with, with what the Lord has for us in this message. So I ask my friends to, to prepare it. Just watch that story. It's, it's a story that happened here in the U.S., so it concerns you and our nation here. So let's just have a look at this.
1: 48% of the Muslim in the United States of America believe that they are Muslim first, they are American second. Our purpose is to change this culture because they're infidel and what they're doing is not pleasing to Allah and we are the soldier of Allah who will make them do it.
2: Kamal Saleem was born in Lebanon to a devout Muslim family. As early as four years old, he remembers sitting at the kitchen table while his mother taught him about the Quran and his duty to Allah and Jihad
1: from my childhood my mom said one day you'll be a martyr my son you will die for the sake of Allah and you will exalt Islam she said if you kill a Jew my son your hand will light up before the throne of Allah and the host of heaven will celebrate what you have done
2: Kamal was seven when his parents sent him to Muslim training camps to learn to use weapons and engage and kill the enemy the boys were also taught another more subtle form of warfare we
1: were training for what's called culture jihad which is shifting cultures culture jihad is it's unlike the
2: sword unlike the rifle it is the jihad that will come into your world by his twenties kamal was chosen to wage cultural jihad on america in islam uh, liberty freedom
1: monarchy all these are idols and these must be brought down so the liberty that you have in the United States of America it's it's anti-Islam you know so America must be changed so I moved to the Bible Belt specifically the Bible Belt was the strongest of the strongest that's where the uh, the stout Christians are and I want to take on the best of the best because I considered myself as as a sword of Islam I thought I'm anointed I'm unique, I'm selected, I'm coming to a country and a culture to change it and I have the power of Allah with me.
2: In the early 1980s, Kamal entrenched himself in a small midwestern town. He began targeting men from poorer neighborhoods to recruit them to the Muslim faith. But one afternoon, his life would be in the hands of those he hated the most.
1: I was going from one place to another to do a recruitment and that day I had a car wreck. The car wreck was so severe, I ejected out of my car, landed on my neck, broke my neck in two places. This man came running to me and he said, don't worry, we're going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. The ambulance came and picked me up and now I go to the hospital, the orthopedic surgeon in the emergency room looked at my chart and he just said, son, we are going to take care of you and everything's going to be all right. The second day I wake up in the hospital, And this uh, physical therapy, head of physical therapy, come and read my chart. And he turned around and he said the
2: same thing word for word. We are going to take care of you. At first, Kamal was frightened by their words, because these men were all Christians.
1: You see, in terrorism, if they said we're going to take care of you, you'd better run.
2: Surgeries to repair Kamal's broken neck were successful, but recovery would take weeks. After being discharged from the hospital, he would need someone to care for him while he recuperated. Kamal had no one. So the orthopedic surgeon opened up his own home to this stranger.
1: In his home, they put me in the choicest room, in the most beautiful thing. I became like part of their family. They didn't see me any different. And now they have a basket set for Kamal. They put in money to free my bills from the hospital.
2: Kamal was overwhelmed with the outpouring of Christian love. As he recovered, he began to help out around the house with cooking and cleaning.
1: They have Jewish friends that came from Israel that they support, you know. And now I'm hugging Israelis and I'm cooking for Jews. I go, what has happened to
2: me? When Kamal was able to take care of himself and return to his apartment, the doctor had another surprise for him. He said, this is the keys to the house and here's an
1: extra key, this is your new car. We just want to bless you, you can come anytime you want so I go to my home and I go to my cold place that I have been there in months and dust is this thick and I just got to settle this issue with my God to know that if if it's real or not so I walk inside I shut the door I go right in the eastern window and I fall on my knees and I put my hands to the heavens and I cry up to my God Allah Allah my Lord and my King why have you done such a thing to me I'm okay with the with the car wreck I'm okay with all this but why did you put me among Christians I'm confused these Christian and Jews they are they're good people there's nothing wrong with them they don't want to kill us they're not the same thing that I learned about them Allah these people have relationship with their God these people They cry out to the God and they answer them. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you love me. If you're real, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Guess what Allah said that day? Absolutely nothing.
2: Kamal felt that because he questioned his faith, the honorable thing to do was to end his own life. So I went to reach out my guns and put it in the right place and clock out. I heard the voice.
1: The voice knew me by name said come on come on come on Why don't you calling God of father Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and now I fell on my knees and I put my hands to the heavens immediately as I heard the voice and I cried out with every fiber within me God the father Abraham if you are real would you speak to me God the father Abraham if you are real I want to know you Well, God of father Abraham came to a room, and he filled the room with his glory, and his name was Yahweh, the Lord is one, in his hand, he has holes in his hand, he has holes in his feet, his name is Jesus, I said to him, who are you, my Lord, who are you? He said, I am that I am, I said, I'm a simple man, with a simple mind, what is that supposed to mean? He said, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega, I am the beginning. I am the end. I am everything that is in between. I have known you before I formed the foundation of the earth. I have loved you before I formed you in your mother womb. Rise up, rise up, come on. Come, you are my warrior. You are not their warrior. And I said to him, I said, my Lord, my Lord, I will live and die for you. He said, do not die for
2: me. I died for you that you may live. That day, instead of taking his life, Kamal gave it to Jesus he now has a new mission and travels the country challenging Muslims to question their allegiance to Allah
1: my heart desire is to reach out for my brothers and sisters the Muslim out there 1.5 billion Muslim that they are living out there and thank you so much thank you so much there's so many stories
0: like this God is reaching out to those ones God is coming, bypassing mindsets, mindsets that for years and years and years were set in a certain way—certain religious ways, certain political ways. You see, my friends, knowledge, knowledge for the Jewish people is much more than information. Knowledge is not just sets of informations. Knowledge and understanding for the Jewish people is experience, is heart, is so much more than just informations. Truth is not set and lists of right and wrong, is no more the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. Truth is now a person. Truth is Jesus. Truth comes. And shakes everything else. The message I have in my heart today is, is for us here in Crossroads, here in Grand Rapids, and here in America. I noticed every time driving to come to the church, this last week we came a couple of times here. And uh, you come to this light, and it's always yellow here. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, you know, you're not sure <laughs> whose turn it is, especially if this car's coming from the other sides. And your church is called crossroads as well. <laughs> so it's it's interesting for me. I feel like I'm coming to crossroads and I always come to this light. You know, after I cross the bridge. <laughs> and it feels to me as if we are in a season like that here in America. It's like you're crossing a bridge, but you're going to crossroads. <laughs> And there is a lie that, that you're not sure about. And you kind of slow down a little bit. What I feel in my heart is very, very similar here in the U.S., very similar to my own nation, actually. My own notion that one day, thousands of years ago, was a top civilization was, right? You read about Egypt, you know? So, uh, you know, we used to be proud. (laughs) You know, now we are very humbled. Well, the Lord still finds pride in us and, and works in us. But as if God is shaking this nation here, another great civilization. And as I was praying for this service, the Lord was giving me so much analogies, like Egypt, like the U.S. today, like Egypt in the old times. And so I went to Isaiah 19. For those who like to open it, you may open it. And it feels exactly like this. The first few verses. See Isaiah 19, verse 1. It's prophecies about Egypt. And it says See, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and is coming to Egypt. The idols of Egypt tremble before him, and the hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. The Lord rides on a swift cloud and is coming to Egypt. The idols of Egypt tremble before him, and the hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. You see, that time, the Egyptians had so many other gods. (laughs) You remember the time of the plagues? The Israelites and the plagues? God wanted to set his people free out of Egypt. A lot of those plagues that God used They were idols. They were gods that the Egyptians worshipped. So, for example, the Egyptians worshipped the river Nile. So the Nile became blood. You remember that plague? The Egyptians worshipped the sun. Sun worship always started from Egypt. The Egyptians worshipped the sun, so the sun became dark. (laughs) The Egyptians worshipped the frog. The Egyptians worshipped so many other things. And God says, I'm coming on a swift cloud and the idols of Egypt will shake. They will melt. And so everything that is an idol in our lives is going to shake in this time. It's still the message of the unshakable kingdom coming back and forth, coming back and forth. For as it says in Hebrews 12, our God is consuming fire. So God was showing the Egyptians in this time a couple of things. He was showing them that this God that you are worshipping, number one, is not a good God. <laughs> it will harm you. Number two, this God is, is not perfect. It's not almighty. I control this God because I'm the God of this God. <laughs> and I always switch it on and off as I wish. I say... Frogs, go. Frogs, go. Frogs, stop. Frogs, stop. Sun, go. Sun, go. Sun, stop. Sun, stops. For he is coming on a swift cloud, and the idols of Egypt will melt, will shake, and the idols of Egypt shook. And let me say something today here in the U.S. God is coming on a swift cloud to America, and the idols of America will shake. And the same gods that the Egyptians trusted and loved and worshipped and thought this is the source of their greatness. The same gods that harmed them. (laughs) Because they are not good gods. So whatever idols that took place among us here, they will shake. They are shaking. This is... What you are witnessing today, this is the crossroads that we are in. There's a lot of shaking around us. There's a lot of news. So if freedom in America became an idol, freedom will plague you. Because freedom cannot become God. (laughs) You cannot take freedom that far. And you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Because my definition for freedom is the biblical definition. You know the truth, and the truth sets you free. So for everything that is godly, there's a false of it. <laughs> and it's amazing, you know, that in the recent you know, Supreme Court decision, you know, the words, love wins. To totally distort something that is from heaven. <laughs> you know, some of my friends, they, they, you know, they say, no, 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 true love <laughs> wins. It's true. True love, not just love wins. What is the definition of that love? (laughs) Well, let me tell you. God so loved the world that he he died. (laughs) So if you took freedom further and you made it your god, freedom will plague you. (laughs) The idols of Egypt will melt the idols of america will shake but that's that is you know that's the bad news what's 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 the solution <laughs> what do we do from here i think the bible speaks so much instructions for us and so much preparations for this time and i feel this is an amazing season of grace this is an amazing time of preparing ourselves Deep in my heart and in my spirit, I don't know how much shaking is going to happen and what's really coming ahead. But I know that the one seated in heaven laughs. (laughs) I know that he is a good God. I know he will not take me somewhere and put me in experiences beyond grace that he can give me to go through those experiences. I know from the story of the three that were put on the fire That the fourth one will come even in the middle of the fire. And this is the encouragement for us today. To prepare ourselves. To get ready in this time. The the plagues were going on and on and on in Egypt. And the Israelites were around. Right? (laughs) They were among everyone. And Jesus said that to the disciples. said, I'm not going to take you out of the world. I will keep you there. But I'm going to watch over you. I want to walk with you. The same message for us today. God is not going to take us out of the plagues. He wants us actually to witness how much he is going to be God in the midst of it. And how much he's consuming fire. And how much he's jealous for his people. And in fact, I think if there is hope among us today, the hope is for you and I, friends, to rise up in this time. To stand on behalf of our city. To stand on behalf of our nation. And to ask God for mercy. I love the last plague. You know, uh, uh, we know the story. We know the end of the story. We know what happened. There was plague after plague. Ten times. Ten times. And every time, Pharaoh becomes more hardened. So I don't know how many times things are going to happen here. (laughs) One two, three, Pharaoh's heart gets hardened more, and more, and more. But God will never give up. <laughs> He's coming. I love what it says in Exodus 12. It talks about the last plague, which was the most severe of them. And it says, it's about, it was the killing of, of, of all the, the, the firstborn of every Egyptian family. And you know, and I can imagine the Israelites, you know, like, okay, God, so... <laughs> You know, how, how will the angel, you know, not get mixed up, you know? Like, how will the angel know my address, you know? If the angel is going to come, you know, will the angel know the, the zip code, you know? Or the, the exact address, you know, of, of, of where, where we are and where they are. And in Exodus 12, we read about all of this. And I'm just going to read you a few verses from there. Exodus twelve thirteen, The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Verse 22 of Exodus 12. Take a bunch of hyssop, something that I uh, struggle to read. <laughs> Dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. Here are the instructions. Exodus 12:23: "When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, He will see the blood, He will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame, and will pass over that doorway, and He will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. And I think this is the instructions. The instructions is, Lord, we will clean our lives from the idols of Egypt. (laughs) We will clean our lives. We are not going to wait until you come to shake it out of our lives. We are going to willingly come to you today and ask you to shake them in advance. (laughs) Shake them today. Let them go out of my life today i don't know it seems like you know i i i i I gave up resisting shaking anymore, <laughs> you know all of the time I'm going from shaking to another shaking, and you know this is not the shaking of you know nice dancing, and no, this is real shaking. I shared with you last year how I got sick here in America and how i you know in the midst of amazing ministry time, traveling you know from state to state and you know. Here is Hany, the missionary, enjoying, you know, ministry and, and visiting different places, you know. And then I end up in one lake that is not in Michigan, that is not as clean as the Lake of Michigan, <laughs> that, you know, got some germs in it and, and got it into my leg here. And anyway, before so long, I'm with a lot of fever. And then I'm in the hospital uh, and, and I'm like, you know, facing, you know, like all those nurses are around taking blood. It was like, what's going on? You know, I'm still going to travel to California, and I'm still traveling to Vancouver and Toronto and Canada. And I, I'm still, Lord, wh- wh- what's going on? I'm still going to do ministry. And, uh, you know, and the Lord says, well, that's what you think, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I want to minister to you. <laughs> I want to sit a little bit with you, you know. And it was just an amazing time of both shaking but God wanting to still take some idols out of my life. And it keeps going and going and going and going. And he keeps on coming with his light deep in my heart to expose things and show things. And friends, I just want to tell you this morning our God is an is an honorable God. He is good God. He is good God. He is not here to embarrass us. he's not here to, to humiliate us. He loves us so much. He cares for us so much. He wants to deliver us from those idols. And my prayer this morning for us here today and for myself, first one, God, show me if there is still idols in my life. Show me if there are still things that, that I don't see in my own life. Show me if I'm deceived in any way. Show me. Shine your glory among us here that I can behold you like as if I'm looking in a mirror. That I can see myself. That I can see those idols. Cleanse me. Purify me. So that I can paint over the frames of my doors. My windows, the gates into my life, my mind, my ideas, my ambitions, my dreams, come to my heart, come to my relationships, come to my marriage, come to my relationship with my kids, purify me, cleanse me, so that I can paint with the blood of Jesus. And yes the angel of the destroyer will come like it says here in the word but he will see the blood and pass and pass. You see friends God have called us. God have called you and I. And you see this is much more than you know your role in the church. <laughs> This is much more than your role in in a certain ministry. He called you, that's it, period. (laughs) He called you because he called you his son. You see, things drifted in in our religious systems and, and it became too complicated. The most powerful thing is that you and I are called to be sons and daughters of God. To be the family of God in this earth. It says here in Ephesians two ten, for we are God's handiwork, created in, G- in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I love again, I love going back to the Hebrew meanings and the Hebrew words. The Hebrew word for worship is avoda, avoda. It's very similar to Arabic abada, aboda, avoda, a v o d a h. It's the same word for work. Same word for worship, for work. <laughs> I love this. Because then, when it says, everything you do, do it unto the Lord, isn't that an amazing truth? So, when you wake up tomorrow morning and, go, and you go to work, you know, realize you're not working for your boss. <laughs> you're working for another boss. <laughs> you're worshiping another boss. Imagine we, we change like this. We are called by God wherever we are, whether we are inside the church working or outside of the church working, and we divided. You know, some people are pastors, and some people are yes, of course, there is different gifts that serve the body of Christ. But some are missionaries and some are not missionaries. I don't know why. We are all missionaries today. We are all called today because his name is called upon us and on us. He has prepared good works for us to do. In Ephesians 4, one says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So there is a calling for your life and you need to receive it. <laughs> and that's my prayer for us today. That each one of us receives <laughs> Maybe you know your calling. Maybe you still need to receive it. For me, I received the beginnings of my calling some 20-some years ago. But I feel the more I go, the more I understand it more. And I think sometimes it's God's grace for us that he does not download everything on us that he's calling us for. Otherwise, you will not believe it. And then you'll fall in unbelief. You understand what I mean? (laughs) So he withholds some things from you So that, you know, he tricks you. Like the story we saw. This guy was tricked. Because God is a good God. God is not judging him. God wants to save him and bring him to salvation. Same God is our God. He wants to bypass barriers that we have put in our minds, in our hearts. He wants to come today and he wants us to rise up to this place of our calling that he called us with. And he wants to help us with his spirit to live a life worthy of that call, like it says here in Ephesians 4. A life worthy of that call. You know that verse humbles me so much. Lord, how can I live a life worthy of just what I understand up till now, of what you called me for to accomplish in my life? I can't. (laughs) I know that I can't. That's why I need his spirit. That's why I I beg him day after day, help me to live this life that is worthy of that call that you called me. So it's not about our own strength. But here is the other verse that encourages me so much to keep going 1 Thessalonians 5 24. The one who calls you is faithful, (laughs) and he will do it. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The one who called you is faithful, and he's the one that's going to do it anyway. So, what is the password? (laughs) The password, you know, for us is yes, Lord. (laughs) Yes, Lord. I know. I mean, I can't imagine being Mary, you know, when when you know Mary was just engaged, and the angel comes, (laughs) you know, and says to her, you know what, Mary, in the dream, and he says to her, you know what, you are gonna be pregnant without a man. Wow. Without a man. Yes, and, 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 and you are you're going to be praying with the Savior of the world. Really? She didn't question anything. You know, when you read in Matthew 1, in the same, uh, I'm not sure if it's mentioned in Matthew or one of the other uh, uh, Gospels, in the, same, in the same chapter, you know, the angel comes to Zechariah, and tells him the same thing, you know, here's the difference between the faith of a woman and the faith of a man. <laughs> Not really. We, we, we men are. <laughs> faith comes from him anyway, so women, don't be proud now, okay? <laughs> and, and Mary says, yes, Lord. Zechariah started to question, you know, how is this going to happen? And then, then he couldn't speak anymore. <laughs> he was silent. Until his child, John, was born. And then he spoke again. <laughs> As if God wanted to say, like, you know, shut up. You know, don't, don't fall into unbelief now, you know. <laughs> don't keep on talking and then work yourself into unbelief. So the past word is like Mary. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Let it be to me according to your will. Ask my heart this morning, that the Lord will help us. To just rise up and say, yes, Lord. Yes, you called me. Yes, I accept that. Maybe I understand 10% of it. Maybe I understand 20%. Maybe I know vaguely. Wherever it is, I want to stand and receive this calling. I want to receive grace from you to live a life worthy of this calling. The nation needs you, friends. Brothers and sisters, your great, amazing nation, this amazing civilization, this amazing country needs you to rise up in this time. To not be shaken. To not be afraid. To not be overwhelmed with what's happening with the plagues that are going on around you. To just do your job. Prepare that painting the blood around your frames and your gates and your doors and your families and you know i'm not someone that is just so diving you know i mean i'm from egypt right from the middle east all the countries around israel is shaking so much all kinds of things are happening it's so complicated you know i felt like you know a few months ago i felt like you know what i should just take two years holiday stay at home and study in time prophecies and just to learn, you know, what to do, how to prepare myself for the coming season. That's how I was thinking. And you know, one morning I just woke up and in just my normal time with the Lord, with coffee, <laughs> helps a lot. <laughs> I see the Lord so much in the coffee, I thank him that this is, <laughs> this is, you know, that he put me in the only planet that have coffee in it, you know. <laughs> Uh, You know, that's why, you know, I also have safe planet Earth, you know. It's it's the only planet that have coffee, so, you know, it's a good one. And the Lord, (laughs) and I'm just like a child with the Lord, and I felt one morning the Lord spoke to me something very simple, and just saying, "Henny, you know, do you really want to learn about end times? Can I give it to you? (laughs) Of course, you know, I would like to get it from you. You know, rather than just like maybe make mistake with when I'm studying revelations or, you know, this or that. Or maybe I read the wrong book. Anybody can relate to me about these things or I'm just the only one. You know, maybe I just read one perspective and I missed the other perspective, you know. You see, friends, it delivers me so much that truth is much more than books, than information. And I'm not shooting all the books out. Or, but I just want to say, read, read that book much more than all the other books. Read that book more. But, but not, don't just read the book, you know. Read the author of the book. You know, read it and then close your eyes or open your eyes or whatever. And let truth be a person. Let truth be the person of Jesus. It's much bigger than just written forms and lists of things. Back to my story that morning with the coffee and the, and, and, and the Lord said, just open First Peter 4. And I open First Peter 4, and it starts like this. The end of everything is near. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I took another sip of the coffee, and I said, yeah. <laughs> yes, really, the Lord is, is actually, you know, I'm not just imagining. I'm not talking to myself, you know, when the Lord speaks to you. You also doubt sometimes. It's all included, right? <laughs> it's all included in the same price. Sorry, in the second service, I will deal with that better, you know. <laughs> it's all included, you know, doubting a little bit, thinking a little bit, swinging a little bit. We are like children with the Lord. He is a good God. But he says the end of everything is near. So like, wow, you are really going to talk about that. That's, that's amazing. So what? 1 Peter 4, 7, 8, and 9. I'm going to tell you about these three things the Lord showed me that morning. Therefore, number one, Be alert and sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. That's number two. (laughs) Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Number three, verse nine, offer hospitality to one another. (laughs) What? (laughs) Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What? <laughs> you know, like, no, no, tell me complicated things about end time that, uh, you know, that I, I take it and, 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 you know, and, and, and divide, you know, uh, d- devote, you know, three months in my life to understand them step by step and, you know, and then make glamorous, spectacular sermons that I can preach when I go to Crossroads in uh, July 5th. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, 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 just tell them that, you know? that The end of everything near, and all you need to do is Pray, be sober, be alert. You know, this is the word they use, you know, when, when, when people are, uh, you know, when they drank a little bit, you know. Are you sober? Can you drive? You know, and uh, maybe God is asking the same question about your life. Are you sober? Are you alert? Can you drive safely? <laughs> and then notice the, the yellow light here. <laughs> notice that the bridge is a little bit narrow you know you know the bridge i'm talking about as you come from here you know if you drive because i walk like egyptian i drive like egyptian you know <laughs> and you know you you slow down you know <laughs> it's funny you know i i i landed here and a friend of ours us a car in chicago and so i drove from chicago to grand rapids and i really you know i'm i know i've been here before so i I'm watching the, the speed limits, you know, and because there is speed limits here, you know. <laughs> you know, if you're Egyptian, you know, this is the only time you have freedom in your life is when you're driving. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I'm watching myself, but the cops still got me, you know? <laughs> you know. So I'm stopping. But I know that I was obeying everything. So I said he was such a nice guy. I said to him, what did I do? Can you, can you tell me what did I do so that I learn from my mistake? I said, no, 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 you you actually, you're fine. It's just I noticed in the, in the satellite that you drive different. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to make sure you're okay. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, there's still some goodness in this country, you know? Like, uh, if any police find you in my country, <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) You know, we have this joke in Egypt, you know. We say, you know what's the difference between the Catholic priest and the cop in Egypt? The Catholic priest, you confess, and he gives you, you know, about the communion. But the cop in Egypt, you know, he gives you, then you confess. Can you, can you drive in this time of shaking? So coming to this bridge, coming to the light flickering like this. Do you agree with me that here in this nation, the light is flickering like that? Yellow. <laughs> it's yellow. Shaking is coming, friends. The idols of Egypt will melt. The idols, wherever in the world, they will melt. Because everything written in this book is true. But these are a little bit of instructions for us. Three things to do and one thing not to do. Pray. Love one another, as it says in First Peter 4, 7, 8, and 9. Pray. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Love one another. Third one. Nothing glamorous. (laughs) Nothing spectacular. Offer hospitality. (laughs) Because a lot of things happen when you offer hospitality. Actually, prayer is probably going to happen more when you offer hospitality. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another for love covers multitudes of sins. Yes, the person next to you or behind you, they are not perfect. You know, guess what? Just exactly like you are. <laughs> love one another. This unconditional love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. I love First Corinthians 13, talking about love, 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 love. And you know, and it compares even to the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> you know, if I spoke tongues, if I had all the prophecies, if I understood all the end time complicated things, If I, I can put my own words. If I, but have no love. I'm just banging back and forth. Back and forth. I don't even know how to love my own wife and my own family. God help me. I need to wake up in the morning and just be in that spirit of humility every single day. I don't know how to do it today, Lord. Without you, I can do nothing. Help me today. But I also mentioned there's one thing that we are not to do. It's mentioned so many times in the Word of God Luke 12 32. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. (laughs) Do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. In Judges 7, there is an amazing story about one of the the words the Israelites were about to enter with Gideon. And just the the, the summary of it. They were 32,000 Israelites. (laughs) And God had to sift them from 32,000 to 300. (laughs) Why? The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. (laughs) I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me my own strength and say my own strength have saved me what is saying from all of that is that is that it's good what god is doing it's good the shaking that is happening it's good the sifting that is happening you know you know you remember that story in the last part you know it was about the way they drink water you know And sometimes I wonder, you know, maybe he would have picked the other way than this way. Uh, First he said, okay, here's 32,000 people, who's afraid? And few thousands went back, 22,000 I guess or something like that. But at the end, with the victory that God gave with the 300 only, everybody entered. (laughs) Everybody enjoyed What the Lord is saying to us today is that don't be afraid, little flock. But there's almost something inside of me that that is getting to understand more and more the kingdom, saying, you need to become little. (laughs) You need to become like child. So I just want to invite us to some time of of again worshiping the Lord, again coming to His presence. So I want to ask Jesse and the worship team to just come up again. Let's... Enough talking now. Enough of all of this. Let's just enter. Let's come and receive some understanding today of our calling. Let's rise up. (laughs) Let's slow down a little bit. Let's be careful with all the light, the yellow light that we see. Let's receive strength from the Lord today. At the end, you know of Isaiah 19, in that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a monument to the Lord at its borders. It will be a sign and witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. May the Lord help us build an altar for him here in America today. A sign for him, a place of worship, a place of just seeking his face. We are not afraid. We are not I'm, not. I'm not slave to fear. We're not afraid. We don't need to be afraid. I am a child of God. Can I ask you to stand up, please, with me?